Welcome to the Veterans of Peace Radio Hour and Podcast on Radio Free Nashville, 107.1 and 103.7 and streaming live at RadioFreeNashville.org. you got to do what's right, even if you think it might be wrong. That was Tennessee State Representative Sapicki providing some interesting advice to his colleagues in the Tennessee State Legislature. He did damage to their lies. So they basically prefer the lies over the truth. Have you ever seen a media organization that wants less info? What's wrong with you? You want to sit there as a Pentagon scribe and just print the BS that they tell you? That was Sagar and Jetty of Breaking Points, talking about how the media is letting us down when it comes to a discussion about the leaker and not what was leaked. And again, we have a two-part show, and we will get to both of those parts. But first, my name is Jim Wolgamuth, and I'm here with fellow Vietnam veteran Harvey Bennett. We're members of Veterans for Peace. Veterans for Peace is an international organization of military veterans and allies whose collective efforts are to build a culture of peace, humanity, equality, and justice. Just go to veteransforpeace.org. This radio show and podcast is on stations across the country, thanks to the Pacifica Radio Network. We're also on SoundCloud, Anchor Podcast, Spotify, and your phone podcast app. Just search Veterans for Peace. The Veterans for Peace Radio Hour and Radio Free Nashville are supported in part by you, the listener, because it is you that keeps Radio Free Nashville going. And as a result, this radio show is picked up by the Pacifica Radio Network so that we are heard across the country. So if you think this is important, just go to RadioFreeNashville.org and click on donate and keep Harvey and I on the air in every time zone in the U.S. Okay, while the mainstream media, YouTube, Twitter, and other platforms are censoring voices of activism and dissent, we will continue to share those voices who stand up against the establishment, who stand up against the military, industrial, congressional, media, corporate complex, who stand up for us, the global us. So, Harvey, once again, we have a two-subject show with the goings-on in the Tennessee legislature, and then some words from Crystal and Sager about the media's dangerous approach to the leaker. Do you want to mention what you found out about that, and then we're going to play the clip later. This was even before the leaker was discovered that uh, the story was all, we've got to find the traitor, the leaker, who did this, you know, why would they have done and and paying almost no attention to the to the releases themselves and what they showed and what they you know the significance of them and, and the government's lies. All right. Well, we that'll be the second part of the show, and we also want to point out to the audience that we're getting all our information for this show from independent news outlets, including the Tennessee Holler, the TYT Investigates. And breaking points, and so you mentioned that you do you might sneak in something from Tucker Carlson. So yeah. definitely it mainstream. actually came from the no nukes group. Oh, okay. <laughs> Somebody sent it to them. All right. But yeah. I would encourage anyone to watch get on YouTube and Google Tuck, Tucker Carlson or search Tucker Carlson because he goes into a full bore. Uh, just laying waste to the media and to the government and how they are complicit and lying to us day by day. All right. So as you know, we'd like to share news that is important nationally since we are heard nationally. And once again, the Tennessee General Assembly is making national news. 
As you know, the after the murders at Covenant School in Nashville, thousands of students marched to the Capitol to demand action. And we saw, as we saw last week, the Tennessee legislature acted. But to expel three legislatures, two young African-Americans and, and a white lady who has been in the General Assembly for 10 years, by the way, who joined protesters chanting from the gallery and even led and these General Assembly representatives even led some of the protests to try and get the Tennessee legislature to do something about guns. Well, that was their action to expel these three uh, these three Tennessee legislatures instead of working on guns. Well, oops, they expelled the two black guys, but not the white woman which appropriately resulted in calls of racism. Well, apparently their feelings were hurt as a leaked discussion from the Republican caucus went viral. So we're going to listen to a little bit of that. Uh, But if you want to find the whole nine-minute clip, just go to Tennessee Holler, T-N-H-O-L-L-E-R dot com. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to We're going to get ready and listen to some of it, not the whole thing, but on this recording, and uh, Harvey and I will break in to share what you're actually hearing, because it is a little bit garbled, uh, but you're hearing Representative Zachary, Garrett, Barrett, Lamberth, and a lot from a guy named Sapicki. So, let's take a listen. And Jody, I'm just going to say it here because you signed the letter. You straight up came to me and said you were 100% where I was. And you went on the House floor and you did the opposite. Man, you hung us out in the dry. And I like you personally. This is not personal. And if Brian Terry was here, I'd say the same thing to him. This would have been bad anyway, but dear God, we were called, we brought the racism into it because you didn't stay with us. But I need to know, and I don't want to hear why there wasn't a proponent of evidence and an attorney. I need to know why you flipped your vote. And so they they berate this guy, uh, Barrett. But you notice, Harvey, that they said you put the racism into it because Barrett actually voted to not expel the white lady because he right. listened to the case. And yeah. so, you know, they they are... They're they're admitting it basically that right. they, they needed to expel they had to have white a token guy. white person in there. Exactly, exactly. So I'm going to skip just a little bit ahead. Protesting from the middle of a well is a one-way conversation. No legislation in the history of the world has ever been passed under protest. No legislation in the history of the world has ever been passed under protest. Does oh, an authority on that, I guess. Uh, yes, you know, and the Tennessee Holler said, as a as a parenthetical, except literally every big bill ever. <laughs> <laughs> it gets better when Sapicki oh. gets onto it. Oh, this wow. is- I believe we're at war for our republic. Okay, we're coming up on Sapicki. Is if we don't stick together, if you don't believe we're at war for our republic, yeah, yeah. with all love and respect to you, you need a different job. 
the left wants Tennessee so bad because if they get us, the southeast falls, and it's game over for the Republicans. This is not a neighborhood social gathering. We are fighting for the republic of our country right now. And the world is staring at us. Are we going to stand our ground? I've got multiple phone calls from other representatives going, we sure hope you guys stand up. Because maybe you'll give us the courage to stand up and push back against what's going to destroy our republic. You should have told leadership ahead of time if you had a doubt. By God, when you change your mind, you should have been screaming in the speaker's ear going, I'm in no better. How does that affect your life? If Brian Terry was standing here, I would be telling Brian Terry, you should have went to the speaker and said, I'm changing my vote. And if it put us at 65, somebody would have taken you behind the dais and explained to you why this is an important vote. It would have given us the opportunity to not throw the rest of us under the bus. I've been called a racist, a misogynist, a white supremacist more in the last two months of my life than I had my entire life. By golly, I'm biting my tongue. But I'm telling you, Mr. Speaker, with all due respect, days are very thin right now. And I'm going to have to swallow this to see Mr. Jones back up here walking these hollow halls that the greats of Tennessee stood in and watched them disrespect this, this state that I chose to move to. And by golly, it's got to stop. I'm sorry for getting angry here. My father was D-Day plus four, and he fought for this freaking country, and many of his friends died. You've got to do what's right. Even if you think it might be wrong, you've got to do what's right. And you've got to protect this freaking republic here in Tennessee. You know what? Let's all go to hell home. <laughs> so that's a guy named Sapicki. That's a representative from the General Assembly named Sapicki. And uh, he comes from Cullioka, Tennessee, C-U-L-L-E-O-K-A, part of Tennessee. And it, it just shocked me when I heard him say, well, any number of things. Uh, when he talked about the hallowed halls of the state capitol, those halls where you and I, Harvey, we had to work so hard along with so many other people in Nashville to remove the bust of Nathan Bedford Forrest, the first head of the KKK, a war criminal, uh, the general who led the massacre at Fort Pillow. And then he's talking about if they don't stick together, the Republic is in danger. The whole Republic of the United States is in danger. And so, and, and the left is looking to take Tennessee. And if Tennessee falls, the whole, the whole Southeast falls. And I'm thinking, falls? Falls. It's not going to fall. It might actually do something because when he's talking about a republic, I had this question. It's clearly not a children's republic or a woman's republic or yeah. a diverse, inclusive republic or a healthy republic because they haven't expanded Medicaid and it, the health care problem is awful here or an educated republic. So he must be talking about only one thing left, and that's the white man's republic. Yeah. And when he said, sometimes you got to do what's right, even though you think it's wrong, there's our Tennessee state legislature. Olioka mm -hmm. is in Maury County. I'm trying to see how far it is from the home of Nathan Bedford Forrest. Okay. Where the uh, clan was founded. Mm -hmm. Pulaski. Pulaski. Okay. 
It's not far. No. Not so far. he he has a he has a heritage, a linkage. Yeah. So <laughs> and so that was that was the Republicans in a in an audio that went viral. We don't know who leaked it, but we do know the Tennessee Holler got it. And then a variety of major news net, uh, networks did pick it up. Yeah, the irony of it for me was they're, you know, they're invoking the people's sense of honor. Oh, seriously. Over doing something about expelling two black legislators for taking a stand against. Who are actually representing the people in Tennessee. Yes, elected legislators mm -hmm. yep. who did not violate any laws, were not sexual predators or any of these other things that so many of these legislators have been and not been expelled. You know, this was just for speaking out of turn. That's this it. After their, after their mics had been cut off. Exactly. After their mics had been cut off. Right. Well, you know, after all the embarrassment that they, that Tennessee and the state legislature went through, all the calls from across the country saying you are racist because, yeah, actions speak louder than words. Mm -hmm. You are racist. You are misogynistic. Uh, well, what did they do last week when Justin Jones and Justin Pearson returned to the floor? Because, of course, we know Memphis and Nashville voted them back in. So yeah. instead of doing something about guns, they took up legislature that will make it illegal to and i just need to read from the bill here's what it says and this is house bill 1376 and paragraph five says that the general assembly finds that measures taken to ensure non-discrimination cannot be allowed to undermine the principles of merit and excellence in the core activities of public institutions of higher yeah. education. Yeah. But did you hear that? Measures taken to ensure non-discrimination mm -hmm. cannot be allowed. So they're more than willing to allow um, guns but they're not willing to ensure that we don't discriminate. Yeah. They've got to prohibit that. And then the next paragraph, increased institutional transparency and oversight are needed to lessen the risk of diminished excellent results resulting from the imposition or advocacy of divisive mm -hmm. concepts. Mm -hmm. Okay, now I looked up divisive concepts, but I really want to get to the back and forth. What is a divisive concept? I wanted to wonder about that. I mean, is uh, the Second Amendment a divisive concept? That is. You would. Yeah. It's so, not listed by Tennessee, but that would be. It's been, it's been uh, taken up by the Supreme Court, so there must have been two sides to the issue. Must have been. <laughs> so, uh, but. This was uh, this was author authorized or authored by Representative Reagan, and uh, he is from Oak Ridge. Oh he's, boy! Yeah, he is from Oak Ridge. So here's 
here's a little bit of the back and forth between Representative Reagan and Representative Justin Jones, who was recently reseated, recently put back after being expelled. So here's this. Representative Reagan, what type, you, you call this the freedom of expression bill, but it's prohibiting concepts from being discussed freely on college campuses and it's instituting a rogue reporting process where students can report professors for teaching this list of 16, 17 issues. Um, can, you, can you explain the impetus for this bill? What, what, is, what is the origin? What, what motivated you to, to, to write this bill? It, it seems like it's based off of white fragility, fears of teaching the truth of history. What, what was your reason for writing this bill? Chairman Reagan. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. This bill was bought to, brought to me by a dean of college education uh, who I worked with in addition to another university also contributed to this bill. That was my motivation, sir. Can you, can you name that person? Who, who asked you to bring this legislation? Chairman Reagan. I would prefer not to, sir. That's between me and the, the person who brought it to me. If you wish to uh, discuss that in private, I'll be glad to do it. Representative Jones. Thank you. Representative Reagan, you grew up at a time where America was segregated. Under this, under this bill, we can't teach that history. Um, so I'm just trying to figure out how will we be honest about our history if you're, pro if you're prohibiting racist history, it says here. We can't talk about um, any type of of unequal system that ascribe character traits, values, moral, ethical codes, privileges onto a certain race. You say that we can't talk about the history of struggle in America. Can you explain how we would talk about these issues and, and why you're so fearful about even college students discussing them? Jim Reagan. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Your assertion is incorrect, sir. It does not prohibit discussing these. Representative Jones. Um, Representative Reagan, this is under prohibited concepts. These are, these are, these are things that According to this bill, um, under present law, the following concepts are defined as divisive concepts. And under this law, there's a reporting process where students can report professors for teaching these concepts. This sounds like fascism. This sounds like authoritarianism. This does not sound like democracy or freedom. And so again, this bill is very troubling to anybody who believes in constitutional rights and who believes in, 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 in America's promise of a freedom of expression. You are targeting professors and college students from talking about race and from talking about the history of America. I think it is shameful what you're trying to do. And, and I'm trying to get an answer as to see what is the origin of this bill, but you're being evasive because I don't think that you don't even know what the purpose of this bill is besides to feed into this racist narrative that you've been promoting all session. And so my question to you, Representative Jones, Reagan, that's a personal attack and you're out of order. Please refrain from making those That's the, when you're on the Speaker to House, Cameron Sexton. Thank, thank you, Mr. Speaker. It is not a personal attack. It's a matter of fact. I've Representative, sat in Jones, Representative Jones, you made a direct comment to the representative who lives in Nashville, even though he represents Crossville. I ask you to refrain from doing that and stick to the bill, please. Representative Jones. Thank you. Representative Reagan, do you believe that it is, it is racist to prohibit concepts on systemic racism in the history of America? Chairman Reagan. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Once again, my belief is in God. I settle other things with facts and data. The fact of the matter is, sir, this bill is not racist. It is not unconstitutional. Representative Jones. We keep bringing up God, but God says in Isaiah 10, woe to those who pass unjust laws that hurt the poor and rob them of their rights. And so stop using God to justify your bigotry. Stop using God to justify hatred and racism. Stop using God to, to put a, Jones, a... You were out of order. He just cut off his mic. Of That's the third time you've accused a member of doing something or being something on the House floor. This is a deeply concerning bill.
This is Representative because Justin J. Pearson now. He is continuing a pattern of practice uh, that is harmful to all people. When you begin to attack education and educational institutions that seek to tell the truth about racism, sexism, these other quote unquote divisive concepts, when you try to control what a person thinks, then you are assuming the role of God rather than allowing the freedom of thought that built American educational institutions. I'll read some of this bill because I've got some folks here from Memphis and folks who are watching who need to see what the Tennessee General Assembly is calling divisive in our time. An individual by virtue of the individual's race or sex bears responsibility for actions committed in the past by other members of the same race or sex. This is to prevent white folks in particular for being told they had anything to do with enslavement. Uh, this is an individual should feel discomfort guilt, anguish, or another form of psychological distress solely because of the individual's race or sex, a meritocracy which does not exist because a society that committed genocide against Native Americans enslaved black African American people for over 250 years cannot be a meritocracy because we didn't all start at the same place. But you will not be able to say a meritocracy is inherently racist or sexist or designed by a particular race or sex to oppress another sex despite the fact that in the United States of America's Constitution that we all swear an oath on, black people were considered three-fifths of a person. Only rich white men could vote, not women. But you tell us that those things we wouldn't be able to talk about if we operate business as usual and not do the work of justice. America is redeemable. The state of Tennessee is redeemable, but if we do not do the work of repenting through true education, by telling the truth, or as Memphian Ida B. Wells says, shining the light of truth upon our institutions and upon our lived experiences, which has made it much more likely for you to stand there than for me, if we do not tell the truth, about our past and our present injustices. The state of Tennessee, the United States of America will not be redeemed. This is the work that we should be committing to, not banning people's ability to think critically about how we got to where we are because we're trying to preserve a status quo that has hurt us. But I've got good news. No matter what you do, people always rise. That was Justin Pearson. He was one of the other Justins who was taken out, who was expelled. Now, I looked at some and I looked up these these divisive concepts. And Justin Pearson uh, mentioned a couple of them. And I want to mention just a couple of more. Uh, there is from A until P. So do the math. That's how many there are. And B, 
is an individual by virtue of individual's race or sex is inherently privileged, racist, sexist, or oppressive. So a teacher could not bring up white privilege, could not bring up white privilege. I really want to highlight what he said about the meritocracy is inherently racist, sexist, because he did bring up, and I wanted to repeat, that not everybody starts at the same place. H, it talks about the state of Tennessee or of the, or the United States is fundamentally or irredeemably racist or sexist. You can't talk about anything about our racist or sexist history. And then jumping down to L, the rule of law does not exist. Instead, is a series of power relationships, struggles among racial and other groups. So right there, you can't, you can't teach about systemic racism. You can't teach about systemic racism uh, in the judicial system, in the prison system. You can't talk about uh, racism in the military, especially when Harvey and I were part of it. And finally, all Americans are not created equal are, and are not endowed by their creator with certain undeniable rights, including right, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So you can't say that all Americans are not created equal even though it's been proven that if you are born in, in, into poverty, if you are born into poverty, you're not going to have the same advantage as Trump. You're not born equally. If you're born black, you don't have the same opportunity as white people. Sorry, that's white privilege. Yeah, so, like the opportunity of living to age five. Exactly. You know, it, it, that's it. Infant mortality, um, maternal mortality. Yes. That's all part of it. You can't teach that. Those are part of what is called the divisive concepts. And what this law brings is the requirement that students, if they feel that this is happening, they get to rat on their teacher. Now, <laughs> Let's put this again into context because this is what these people were doing instead of working on the legislation that was brought, that was prepared by Representative Bo Mitchell in the General Assembly and Representative Heidi Campbell in the Senate to address guns, address gun control. The Tennessee state legislature would rather talk about what teachers can't teach than protect the students they're teaching so they're, they're wasting their time as we learned from the teacher we had on our show last year yes yeah. there are state standards that i'm required to follow and, yeah. you know, and they involve primary sources primary sources don't change so what do you do what do <laughs> these guys do once again you know, there's grandstanding for the base. Yeah. And, but it would pass and Lee would sign it. And the thing, the thing is, maybe it would go to court if a teacher had enough wherewithal to say after being fired, after a student turned to turned him or her in. 
But no, you're right. And they're doing this to waste time. They're also doing this, Harvey, I think, to, to show that all of this embarrassment that they've caused Tennessee, they're just going to double down. They're not gonna. They're not gonna cave in. They're not gonna be reasonable. They're not gonna be human. They're not gonna be inclusive. They're just gonna double down on this. Well, they're getting a lot of bad press, and it doesn't seem to matter. It doesn't seem to matter. Okay, well, we'll keep you informed and up to date. And I'm sorry I was a little bit choppy because this has just gotten me so damn animated that I can't stand it. So. Harvey, you found this clip, and I got it ready for you, from Crystal and Sager, who talk about this guy who, this leaker, before the leaker was even, was uh, before even even caught. And so do you want to just go into the clip, or do you want to introduce it a little bit more? Well, over the last, what, has it been a couple of weeks now? We've been hearing about all these top secret documents that have been showing up on Twitter and various uh, social media sites. Well, they they showed up on Discord. Discord first, yeah. And then people shared them from there. Yeah. The Pentagon has had to, uh, has actually confirmed that these are actual documents, even though they claim some of them might have been uh, altered, but they can't explain how they would have uh, shown up and been uh, released like that. So the, the way the media has framed this is it's the mystery. Who did this? Not what do these things say so much? They didn't want to hear that much about what was revealed, especially if it had anything to do with uh, making Ukraine and Zelensky look like anything less than heroes. Crystal and Sager really talked in a very critical and a necessary way about how the media is completely missing the point and failing to do their constitutional duty around these leaks. Yeah, and they're on breaking points. And you know what? I neglected to mention that that clip from Justin Jones, Justin Pearson, and um, this guy Reagan, this representative Reagan, that came from TYT Investigate. So okay. my apologies there. But all right, let's hear what Crystal and Sager from Breaking Points, what they have to say. Because um, he has, in my view, done a great service yes. in exposing the lies that the U.S. government has been telling and exposing, you know, the reality on the ground of this war and providing us with some useful information that can help us make what are absolutely critical decisions moving forward about U.S. involvement in this war. So, you know, on one hand, it's it's fascinating to know who this is and like what was going on and how did these things end up on some like random tiny Discord server. On the other hand, it really doesn't matter his no. reasons for, you know, being a whistleblower here, exposing these secrets. Uh, you know, to Glenn Greenwald reacting to this immediately, he says, quote, the democracy dies in darkness, Washington Post, now does the job of the U.S. security state, hunting down its leakers, doing everything to expose their identity, says everything about the real function and the ideology of these media corporations. Glenn actually points out that the Washington Post did the same thing with Edward Snowden. While they gleefully used part of the archives that he obtained, published those documents and got a Pulitzer Prize, they demanded he be imprisoned and never pardoned. And unfortunately, that already seems to be the so case crazy. with the initial media reaction. You know, we have here a snap reaction from MSNBC, 
where they go to one of their retired CIA officers who immediately is like, we have to catch and hunt down this traitor. This is how the media, our job is to expose classified information and secrets regardless of what the consequences are. The consequences are the job of the U.S. government. That is not our, our job is to produce information. This is how a news network immediately reacted to this. Let's take a listen. Officials believe the documents are most likely authentic, though some may have been doctors. Let's bring right now retired CIA officer Mark Palomaropoulos. He's an NBC News security and intelligence analyst. Also, the Washington Post, David Ignatius, still with us as well. Mark, okay, let's pretend you're the CIA briefing. You have 30 seconds to explain to your superiors what the hell's going on here. What, what, what the hell's going on here? So I think it's a, it's a potentially serious compromise we don't know yet. Uh, key points are we have to catch the traitor. Number two, kind of you know, reestablish or, or reassure our allies, our bilateral relationships. So, number one, catch we have to traitor. catch the traitor. He doesn't even get into the substance. He doesn't even work for the CIA anymore, at least allegedly. Uh, I don't, know <laughs> I don't if there think is you a... ever really leave the agency, yeah, do you? I, I'm not sure there is any such thing as a former CIA. But yeah, uh, look, I mean, this... Is there? This is what they want. They're they're doing the job of the FBI, like hunting down this person and trying their best. You know, if I was the Washington Post, you know what I would do? I'd be like, Hey, man, you want to give me some of more of those documents? You taking these screenshots uh, in that Discord server while you were over there? And then I would publish every goddamn story I could, and then maybe we can talk about who that's the a, leaker is. That's such a great yeah. point because <laughs> like, we know that there were way more documents that were three hundred originally yeah. posted in this Discord server. The most that any news outlet has at this point is like 50. Yeah. So, we, like, yeah, if you're the Washington Post and you basically track down, okay, who this is mm -hmm. and what the server, why isn't that your focus? And I think, you know, what has been clear in the media's very selective coverage of these documents is, number one, their concern first and foremost seems to be for the sanctity of the security state and making sure that they're all okay and, like, that our intelligence and the CIA won't be compromised and whatever. And number two, the stories and the framing of what they do report on is really cherry-picked. I mean, they intentionally focus on the pieces that can be used to justify a more hawkish response. You know, they reiterate over and over again, oh, it's doctored on the Russian casualty numbers, not ever really making it clear that, okay, that happened after the fact. Yeah. And that's the only um, doctored element that has been pointed out by anyone at this point. So there's that piece. And then the other thing they like to emphasize is like how deep our intel was into the Russian like military apparatus and how cool our spies are. So it's you can see by the fact that we've covered pieces just here, our little breaking points team, that the gigantic New York Times, Washington Post, like NBC, Fox, CNN, any of these people, that none of them picked up on um, because we're actually interested in what these documents reveal, not just quote unquote catching the traitor. I mean, it, unbelievable. Look, I tried to get in touch with some of the guys on the Discord. It's actually pretty hard to find. If we had the journalistic resources, and uh, clearly they, you know, chartered a plane and flew immediately. If we had the resource, I'd be like, all right, let's sit down, man. Like, what, what do you got? Like, you know, like, let's go through it all. Then we, our team and all that, we would go, we would report every single story. And then maybe we would get to who the leaker is. Although, you know, I'm not sure I would necessarily want that on my conscience. But if you look at how it fits with the Washington Post editorial board itself. Let's go ahead and put this up there on the screen, guys. Uh, they say the most damaging part of the leaked Ukraine documents is the leak itself. Oh, do tell, the trove of the leaked documents, some marked top secret, is a sensational intelligence brief, a highly damaging one. 
more than the juicy tidbits, most of which entail detailed information of the Ukraine war. The most sensational and damaging aspect of the story may be the fact of the leak itself. And on that score, how and why these documents came to see the light of day, little is known. If most of these documents are genuine, they say it is uh, with apparent alterations intended. Of course, they try and point to the that. But really, you know, what does the editorial board come out to? They say that the leak itself was very damaging for the Ukraine war, and thus they basically come to the uh, the conclusion, you know, that this person has done immense damage to U.S. and Ukrainian national security. I mean, yeah. the only reason that this person has done any damage is because he told us the truth when they were lying to us. Right. That's that. That's the he did damage to their lies. So they basically prefer the lies over the truth. Have you ever seen a media organization that wants less info? What's wrong with you? That's you crazy. want to sit there as a Pentagon scribe and just print the BS that they tell you? What comes through this? The rest of the world, many of our allies, don't agree with us. Number two, Zelensky actually does want long-range missiles to strike directly inside of Ukraine. What, number three, that the situation in Ukraine is way more dire than they tell us and that they um, and the U.S. tells us. And also, here's the other part. I don't know why people aren't going with this. The Russians are doing terribly. That's another thing that comes out of this yeah. thing. No, you know, it's they're... embarrassing for everyone. Yeah. It <laughs> is. And, um, I mean, yeah, another part that was included in these documents is Russia is actually open to Brazil's offer of helping mm -hmm. to negotiate a peace with a host of, um, you know, unaligned countries. So there is a lot of really important information here, but that seems not to be the primary focus of the media. They say in that editorial piece that um, the U.S. authorities will urgently need to track, trace the leaks provenance. The Justice Department has launched an investigation intended to do just that. You know, going back to that MSNBC clip, the Morning Joe clip with like the CIA ghoul who's immediately like, catch the traitor. The other guest that they have on there is David Ignatius, yes. who has a column in also the Washington Post that uses what came out to again like sort of cherry pick this and and call for a more hawkish approach in ukraine which is something we've seen in a number of places i have his piece pulled up here he says that our uh, defense production capability should be the quote trump card for the u.s in world war ii the u.s converted manufacturing plants across the country to make tanks planes and aircraft carriers that simply overwhelmed japan and germany no similar mobilization has taken place this time why not Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin has met several times with defense contractors, but why hasn't President Biden appointed the equivalent of FDR's War Production Board? Do you get mm -hmm. literally calling for a World War II-style mobilization to supply Ukraine in this proxy war we're fighting with Russia? Like, that's what they're using these documents to call for catching the traitor and to call for a dramatic World War II-level mobilization why hasn't Biden done what it takes like FDR did in World War II? I mean, to me, this is just insanity. Yeah, oh, insanity. and you know, when you read even more of the column, Crystal, that you're referencing, the David Ignatius column, and he's like, Lloyd Austin needs to explain to the American people why he's not doing more uh, to fight in Ukraine. He even references, you know, one of the maps that we actually saw. We didn't even, I didn't even see it was all that noteworthy. If anything, it's responsible. It basically says U.S. spy drones or should not fly over Crimea to avoid any sort of incident um, over Russia. He's right. like, why are we doing that? That's too right. cautious. And I'm like, too cautious? They, you know, you have people in the military who are trying to not get us into a full-scale war. They should be applauded for that. And actually, you know, if anything, that's a good on the Biden administration. One of the two things that we learn that validates some of the Biden admins is that caution is worthy and also don't ever give Zelensky long-range missiles or jets because we know exactly what the right. hell he's going to do with them. Correct. Yeah. And it also, listen, if there were a handful of David Ignatius-style right. takes in the media 
balanced on the other side by people who were saying some of the things that we're saying, like, hey, the only thing that held Zelensky back from long-range attacks deep inside of Russia was the fact we didn't give him the long-range missiles that he's been begging us for for a year now. Um, maybe we should, like, consider the way that this could escalate out of control. And look, here's China's red lines. Maybe we should consider what that means as well. If you also had those voices there, too, you could say, okay, this is like a healthy ecosystem. There's some debate going on. You're looking at these documents, trying to parse. The media only ever pushes in the hawkish direction. Mm. I have seen no one making any of the points that we're making within the corporate mainstream media. They only ever apply pressure in a hawkish direction. Liberal media, conservative media largely, it is really consistent across the board. You've got MSNBC with their CIA dude, Catch the Traitor. You've got Side by Side with David Ignatius on the same, very same program, the Morning Joe, like elite table setter for Washington program, saying, oh my God, we're being way too cautious about not getting into World War III. So that's how you end up with the, the you know, foreign affairs landscape that we have. It only ever goes in one direction, and that has never been more clear than it is right now. Yeah, it really is. And uh, look, you know, they, they want blood. The fact that this guy is anti-government and likes guns, whew, brother, it's going to be a rough go. For yeah. You, unfortunately. That was Crystal and Sager. You know, they, they have the good take. They're, the, the media is more in tune with trying to find the leaker this kid who was showing off to his friends on that discord channel than they are in actually looking at what is you know what is going on okay i was trying to pull up this tucker carlson piece i got it oh man he takes up where where crystal and sager left off and does he ever nail it <laughs> okay okay so let's you want to listen to that yeah let's listen to some of that all right. That, that... Tucker Carlson, telling the truth is the only real sin in Washington. All right. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. For the past 14 months, you have heard two main things about the war in Ukraine. The first is that the war in Ukraine is a war of national sovereignty. It is not a proxy battle between superpowers. Russia invaded Ukraine. That was immoral. The United States supports Ukraine because the United States supports democracy. But the United States itself is not at war with Russia. This is Ukraine's war to fight. The second thing we have heard over and over again is that Ukraine is winning that war. Ukrainian troops are brave and noble. Russian troops are evil and incompetent. The Ukrainians are beating the Russians. In the end, their victory is inevitable. Now, you're very familiar with these points because you have heard them every day since last February. You've heard them repeated by every power center in the United States, the Pentagon, the White House, the leaders of both parties in Congress, CEOs and celebrities. And most insistently of all, you've heard them from virtually every single outlet along the entire spectrum of our national news media. These are the two essential themes of the war in Ukraine, and both of them are lies. We know that they're lies because late last week, leaked intelligence about the war in Ukraine began to appear on social media. Briefing slides prepared by the U.S. government begin to show up, among other places, on Twitter. And the slides show that this is, in fact, not Ukraine's war. It's our war. The United States is a direct combatant in a war against Russia. As we speak, American soldiers are fighting Russian soldiers. So this is not a regional conflict in Eastern Europe. This is a hot war between the two 
primary nuclear superpowers on Earth. And yet this war has never been formally declared. It has not been authorized by Congress. And for that reason, this war is a violation of American law. It is a crime. The second thing we learn from these slides is that despite direct U.S. involvement, Ukraine is in fact losing the war. Seven Ukrainians are being killed for every Russian. Ukrainian air defenses have been utterly degraded. Ukraine is losing. The Biden administration is perfectly aware of this. They're panicked about it, but they have lied about this fact to the public. Just two weeks ago, for example, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin told the U.S. Senate that Russian military power is, quote, waning. In other words, Russia is losing the war. That was a lie. He knew it was when he said it, but he repeated it in congressional testimony. That is a crime. But Lloyd Austin has not been arrested for committing that crime. Instead, the only man who has been taken into custody, or likely ever will be, is a 21-year-old Massachusetts Air National Guardsman who leaked the slides that showed that Lloyd Austin was lying. He revealed the crimes, therefore he's the criminal. That's how Washington works. Telling the truth is the only real sin. Now our news media exist and have constitutional protection precisely in order to push back against this grotesque standard. Their only job is to tell the truth. And yet tonight, the news media are celebrating the capture of the kid who told Americans what's actually happening in Ukraine. They are treating him like Osama bin Laden, maybe a little worse, actually, because unlike Al-Qaeda, apparently this kid is a racist. Here's CNN. The Washington Post, as you know, reviewed video of this suspect yelling racial and anti-Semitic slurs. Is this a dangerous person? This uh, uh, air guardsman who's now been taken into custody had talked about being a gun enthusiast, had been at gun ranges. He's obviously a member of the military. And he's the big guy in the scene. Somehow he has access to this kind of information and that makes him even larger. A person who thinks they know better than everyone else, they're smarter than everyone else in their view. And that this is a 21-year-old man, he's described as a gun enthusiast, um, feels like in some of these descriptions somebody who's maybe hungry for power. So this 21-year-old Air National Guardsman from Massachusetts is not a whistleblower, CNN explains with the help of the many intelligence agency figures it is now hired as analysts. No, he's not a whistleblower. He's a criminal. Because he is, unlike the people who run our government, quote, hungry for power. And because this 21-year-old was so hungry for power, federal law enforcement had to swing into action with unfamiliar speed and efficiency and apprehend him. He was that threatening. Now, keep in mind, as of tonight, we still don't know where Jeffrey Epstein got hundreds of millions of dollars. We have no idea, nor do we know what he did for a living. We don't know who left pipe bombs on Capitol Hill on January 6th, two of them. We don't know who leaked the Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade. We can't even say for certain who killed the president of the United States, because after 60 years, the Biden administration is still hiding thousands of pages of classified documents from the Kennedy assassination just as they are hiding more than a billion other classified documents. But tonight, we can say for dead certain who embarrassed Toria Newland and Joe Biden. And that kid is going to jail for a long, long time. That's the standard. The media are fine with that standard. Watch this remarkable exchange on Monday of this week between the White House press corps and Biden flack John Kirby. Without confirming the validity of the documents, this is information that has no business in the public domain. 
it has no business, if you don't mind me saying, uh, on the pages of, uh, of uh, front pages of, of newspapers or on television. It is not intended for public uh, consumption, and it should not be out there. So the fact that U.S. soldiers are fighting Russian soldiers in a war in Ukraine has no business in the public domain. The fact that the country we are backing and fighting alongside is losing, not winning, has no business in the public domain. You have no right to know what your government is doing in your name with your tax dollars and with the future of your children and grandchildren. You have no right to know. Shut up and stop asking relevant questions. Okay, said the media. And if you want to get really sick to your stomach, go pull a transcript from the Pentagon briefing today where news reporters asked Flax from the Pentagon, what are we going to do to keep information like this secret in the future? Not one question about the substance of the information. We're fighting a war against Russia directly? Really? Don't they have the largest nuclear arsenal in the world? <laughs> Not one question. How can we help you keep it secret? Those were the questions. And not only are the media, not only are the media covering up the substance of the story, which is not who leaked it, but what he leaked, they're covering up the crimes committed to get you this information. The administration apparently used illegal surveillance techniques to identify this kid, apparently with the help of the Washington Post and the New York Times, who are its accomplices. They're not holding government accountable, they're helping government keep you from knowing what government is doing. Today, the Washington Post reported it had exclusively obtained some of the classified documents this leaker possessed. Quote, the Post also reviewed approximately 300 photos of classified documents, most of which have not been made public. Some of the text documents the leaker is said to have written out. So we've got two problems here. If it's illegal to see these documents, if you don't have a security clearance, how is the Washington Post doing this legally? They don't have a security clearance. Well, obviously, they were given them by the U.S. intel agencies and are working alongside them. But the bigger problem is this is information that's relevant to the public in a so-called democracy. You can't lie about things that jeopardize our collective future and get away with it. And you certainly shouldn't be doing that with the assistance of the news media. The news media whose job it is to inform you of what your government is doing. But instead, they are working actively late into the night to lie to you on behalf of their masters in permanent Washington. And by the way, just last week, the plan was to lie in an even more grotesque way and blame Russia for this. And we're quoting, Russia or pro-Russian elements are likely behind the leak of several classified U.S. military documents posted on social media that offer a partial month-old snapshot of the war in Ukraine, three U.S. officials told Reuters on Friday. Really? Who are these officials who lied to Reuters? And then Reuters just, of course, obediently reprinted their lies, as they always do. News agencies print what they are told to print by the intel agencies, no matter how ridiculous it is, no matter how much dignity and self-respect they exchange in return for doing it. So what's happening to this leaker now is what happens to anyone who contradicts the national security state and their obedient servants in the media. You go to prison. So the media can continue to tell you lies. Here's MSNBC, for example, assuring its viewers that everything's just fine. What the Russians didn't understand was that they were going into the lion's den. That kind of, of what, we, what we would say in the military, um, this force multiplied, made the Ukrainian army 
quite literally unbeatable. They are winning. Russia is going to lose this war. Every last person has said exactly what Malcolm just said. They're going to win this war. It's not a matter of if, uh, but when. 14 months in, they are simultaneously telling you that Ukraine's victory is inevitable, mostly because of the moral power they possess. But at the same time, you need to send tens or hundreds of billions of dollars more in advanced weapons systems to Ukraine to keep them from losing. What will they say now that we know the truth and that we know that they lied to us, not just the U.S. government, but the U.S. news media? There's Tucker. I don't often agree with Tucker, but he's right on it there. It's, it's just shocking that that the media like Sager was saying and I don't often agree with what Sager says that the media is not saying to the kid hey find us some more information so we can publish it I mean uh I know there was some initial hesitancy about the Pentagon papers uh so many years ago but once it came out it was a godsend it helped Turn the tide against the constant military in our uh, military involvement in Vietnam. It proved that these Vietnam veterans coming back were telling the truth. It proved that the um, that the the student protest knew what they were doing, knew what they were talking about. Right, and Jane Fonda and yeah, the other journalists that went over there, including. Well, not Ellsberg was not a journalist at the time, but uh, there. Yeah, Howard Zinn was there. Zinn was there. Yeah, and he was a professor anyway. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it is just shocking because when you first heard about the leaker, you first heard he was on Discord. You first heard that oh, he wasn't very careful. I'm thinking, okay, this guy, this is just a guy that's showing off, and okay, and and it and it ended up that basically. He was just showing off to his friends on Discord that look what I can get. But he'd been doing it for six months. Yeah. And all of a sudden, things get, uh, thing. <laughs> all of a sudden, people find these things out. And then they, with the help of the Washington Post and the New York Times, the government finally can track him down. <laughs> so it's the last thing that be, the Washington Post and New York Times want is someone who has classified information that, that they can leak. And the New York Times and the Washington Post in a Pentagon briefing are asking, what can we in the media do to help make sure secrets like this never are released again? <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. This is ridiculous. I mean... I look at what's going on in Tennessee and I look at what the media is doing with regard to this this kid, this 21-year-old Air National Guard, and I'm thinking, what kind, what world are we living in? You can't make this up. Well, there's our two-pronged show, and I guess as long as Tennessee keeps making news that is important nationally, we'll keep sharing. And to remind you that we got most of our information from independent media. We got it from Tennessee Holler. That is tnholler.com. TYT Investigates. Just go to tyt.com. And Breaking Points. You can go to YouTube and search Breaking Points. And can't leave out Tucker. We got some information from Tucker. 
So, as we close another show, Harvey and I could not come up with a song to finish up with. So, uh, there has been a song that has been lingering in my brain uh, for a long time that I've been looking for a chance to play. And since this show leaves us with way more questions than it does answers about what is really going on, I thought, okay. And so, here are the Moody Blues and questions. Why do we never get an answer when we're knocking at the door? With a thousand million questions about hate and death and war. Okay, wait. I have to stop. There's an update. After recording this on Monday, I took my wife and the two grandkids to the Moral Monday rally in Nashville. And as we approached, there was a mom speaking. Uh, she has a five-year-old student at Covenant School who was not hurt during the shooting. I wrestled with getting my phone to record her quickly because she was impassioned. And this is what I got. From my five-year-old who keeps proudly telling me how brave his teachers were and how they knew exactly how to keep him safe from the bad guy. And he asked mommy, how did they know to do the practice? Has this happened before? And I said, yes. She said, a lot, mommy? I said, yes. He said, so mommy, this shooter's dead, but more can come. We had everything. We had good security. We had locked doors. We had intense active shooter training. The teachers heard AR-15 shot and the school had to practice locking down for that. They had everything. Our cops are heroes. They didn't hesitate a second. It's not enough. Oh, the one thing you did not have a banned assault weapons. We don't need banned assault weapons. Sure, we're going to add the bulletproof glass now, but what about when they're on the playground? What about when they're playing soccer? You said, and I want the nation to hear what you said. You said, I have worked in pediatric oncology, and I have not heard screams worse than what was experienced then. You know, the folk that say the real problem is mental illness, they are right. It is a form of mental illness when you can hear this kind of pain and still be more interested in guns than you are. Of course, there was Reverend Barber there at an end, along with the mom, whose name I did not get. But before I started recording, she relayed the story of being at the Unification Center after the Covenant shooting and finding out the good news that her son was okay, but witnessing another mom get the word that her child had been killed. And that scream, that desperate scream. You hear the emotion and the desperation and our legislature does nothing here in Tennessee. In fact, in the country, our legislatures do nothing about guns. These people need to go. And if you're a Tennessee voter, wherever you are, we cannot let this stand. What is more important to you? The Second Amendment or a child? The Second Amendment or a child?
Make your choice. Look in the mirror and then say it out loud. The Second Amendment or a child? We need to vote these people out. Whether they're in your legislature, whether in the national legislature, whether they're in the council, whether they're a mayor, whether they're a school board member, we have to vote these people out.